Hi everyone, this is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. This show is for anyone in this world that is passionate about making others healthier in this world. I am super excited today to have Peter Longo on the show. So Peter has a very interesting background, very vast background in taking products to market, right? And for go-to-market strategies with providers and payers. Lots of great solutions out there. How do you get them in? Providers and payers, hard to sell to. Peter has some secrets. Peter has a great history in this space. I'm excited to have him on the show. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you, Anthony. Excited to be here. I love uh, <laughs> I love what you're doing, Anthony. Our industry, healthcare, we need more dialogue, more excitement. So I'm excited that you're doing this, Anthony. Amen. Amen. No, I appreciate it, Peter. No, thanks for being on. Thanks for making time. Peter, take us back. T- take us to your origin story. Take us a little bit into how you got started. What led you, what are the steps that led you kind of to where you're at today? Wow. So that's that's a good one, Anthony. So um, I, I tell everyone I'm from beautiful Southern California. Um, you know, after college, I, I thought I'd work in China just for a month or two and they paid so well. I stayed for a few years, but I came back to get my MBA. And while I was doing that, uh, I, my lovely wife, she worked for a company called American Hospital Supply. And those that don't know American Hospital Supply, they were the legendary healthcare go-to-market company throughout probably the 80s and 90s. In most, you know, public healthcare companies, usually their leadership today has their they they worked back there during those times. Harvard, someone sent me Harvard Business School, even um to the freshman class, when they teach sales, they teach American Hospital Supply. It was just a great company. Mm-hmm. And their culture was so, so great that, you know, when, when my wife's boss came to town, he would not only take the local people to dinner, he would invite their spouses. So I really got to know him really well. And when I graduated from grad school, he was at my graduation. He said, hey, Peter, I'm going to this healthcare company. We're going to change them and we're going to change the world. We want you to come with us. And I, I, I said, I don't know anything about a hospital. And they said, don't worry, we'll teach you. And they were going to work for a company called McKesson, which most people know. And McKesson at the time was really a holding company. They owned Armorall. They owned a bunch of other companies. And their focus was really retail. And they were going to make a big shift into the hospital and provider market. And they went out and hired some of the best people. In fact, one of the gentlemen that, that recruited me and I went over there for is the CEO of McKesson right now. So they, they just really did a great job. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. So when the day I showed up, they said, all right, we, we don't have any business. So your first list of accounts you're going to call on is the entire prison system in California. <laughs> and <laughs> I find it entertaining when you look back on it, but they all have hospitals, right? And they all have clinics. Right. Oh, um, yeah. And it was, there was one that government contract on a bid and that was the only business they had. And they said, just be patient. We're going to grow this. And in the end, so I've been to, I had the one claim to fame. I've been to every prison in California. So nice. I, yeah. <laughs> but you haven't had to stay there long, too long. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no more than one day, I got to say. Nice. But it, was, nice. it was really educational. So anyway, the company, we, we did very well. I was promoted about every seven or eight months. And at the same time, they were acquiring a lot of businesses, McKesson, in an automated business, a, a, what's called a specialty pharmaceutical business, MedSurge. They acquired a lot. And a gentleman there s- decided that we're going to build a team 
that'll be a few more than a couple divisions selling to a hospital go to this team. And he was just a really great guy. And his philosophy was, if you're going to sell to an executive at a hospital, um, McKesson, you have to know everything. So we literally for five weeks didn't see our homes. He, he made us go on the road to learn every division at McKesson. We'd fly to there and meet him. And then we had a test every week as well. So it was really just, you know, being part of a good group of people and for them to invest in educating me. And so traveling to all these different business units and seeing how things are made was just fascinating for me. And that's where I truly learned a lot. In the end, uh, we had to work in a hospital. And I'll tell you, I worked in a hospital. I worked on a pediatric floor for a day. Um, and to see some of these things these kids were going through, I, to this day, even as I talk to you, Anthony, right now, I have memories of just what what it was. These poor kids, the comfort and these people that right. take care of peds. I mean, it was just something that really resonated with me. Right. Yeah. So once at McKesson, they said, hey, Peter, we're going to build a new team. Why don't you go do it? And I built a sales team from scratch um, with multiple divisions. And somehow I did really well. And ever since mm -hmm. then, my career has been branded as the guy who builds and grows sales teams. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, that's the blessing. And, you know, it, it's interesting. There's almost like a stigmatization of like, oh, okay, you got a great product. You got a great service. And, oh, no, well, we got to layer in sales now. And sales is, uh, oh, no, you know, trying to, you know, get into a place and land a sale and land a deal. And, yeah. you know, let's hire other people to do so. But, you know, the irony, right, mm -hmm. Peter, is if you have a great product and service, it can help a child. It can help, oh, yeah. you know, you know, anywhere from, you know, people that are in prisons or elderly. I grew up, my dad was in a, in a nursing home. He was a dietitian for a nursing home. And I got to see him care through food this population that most of society forgets about. And so that's the DNA. And that's the, that's what I grew up in. And then to your point too, on the pediatric side too, it's just, you know, it's such a blessing to kind of, you know, be able to put yourself in to help, you know, great digital health companies that you're helping today, you know, position their services um, and the level of bravery that these individuals need to have to, to confront these problems for children, right. And these different populations. Anyway, I'm not, I don't want to steal your thunder here. Tell us a, a little bit more about today. Like what has you passionate about health today? Tell us a little bit more on, on how you help some of the companies. What are some, what are some differences that make the difference also like in selling to providers and payers? And sorry, that's like 17 questions. In one, <laughs> but I'm just intrigued. I'm just fascinated. Well, well let me, one. let me, uh, the one thing I'd add to that is before I left McKesson is, my first daughter was born and she, she had a lot of medical challenges and mm. we lived in Los Angeles and we had to get the surgery done in San Francisco where McKesson was based. And again, working for great people, they, they supported us and were really helpful. In the end, um, if you go to the children's hospital at UCSF, McKesson donated the pediatric waiting room for surgeries because I had to sleep on the floor there and they saw that experience and all that. So talk about a great company that really, you know, put hands behind what they do in an industry. They really cared and they, they saw that need. And that was really fascinating. I, I love that they do that. You know, after I, I left to a software company where literally 80% of the hospitals in the U.S. use my software and we grew mm -hmm. it up pretty big. I, I think a lot of it to me of what is successful is, first of all, it's the people you hire. You know, I jokingly say you, you have to hire smart people. But but it's people that have a passion to want to learn, 
are, are really the first thing that I always look for because those are the people that want to figure out why, how, and ask all the questions beforehand. And as well as they're working with you know a hospital or a provider, they ask the questions them too. They have this innate curiosity within them. And to me, that's probably one of the biggest things that I look for. Mm. I, I tell the story, I hired two people at the same time, great people, both of them. Um, one person got up to speed within like six months on a complex piece of software for a hospital. The other person got up to speed in a year, two great quality people. Mm-hmm. But it, the one person just got up to speed more because they were more curious, more passionate. And and so I always look at that is the person that got up to speed in a year was not really all that happy and went off to do something else. And so you want the employees, everyone to be happy what they're doing as well. So I think that's the first thing. And then the other thing I'm a big believer in is a process. You have to have a sales process. You got mm-hmm. to really walk through what you're doing, where you're going and have a plan. You can't just wing it. And it right. No one benefits when you do that, you know? Got it. Yeah. Super, super helpful. So curiosity on the people side. Yeah. And yeah, you know, that's the way I, I, I talk about it with my team as well. You know, it, it's about people. It's about process and technology. But people is all about the foundation, right? And, oh, and yeah. You're recruiting, you're trying to recruit for greatness, right? Depending on the, the role, if it's a BDR, an SDR, mm-hmm. uh, solution engineer. Um, so curiosity, that's that's interesting. How do you how do you recruit for that? Could you tell someone's what's a one or two questions that you ask a candidate to decipher their level of curiosity in just a few minutes? Is there like one question or two or something you're looking for to to, to discern that? Yeah, I think it's not more a question. It's it's the other way around. How many right. questions do they ask of me? Do they ask? Yeah. Right. And it could be all, almost of anything where I grew up, what? I mean, just you, you kind of can see that if they I literally I've met a lot of people they ask one question in an hour meeting and that's not, you know, yeah, that's not great. And so yeah. I try to give them every opportunity to ask a lot. And I think that's the one trait I really look through in an interview or first meeting with someone. Right. Is to, right. You know, and if they do ask that one question, you're probably making sure it's not you know, what's, what's the base salary for this? Right. It's gotta be a logical <laughs> question. I always would love yeah. to just to spend an interview of them asking me questions. I'd be extremely happy about that. Cause it, it's right. really care, like you know? really understanding the process and getting down to the nuances. So no, I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. And then, so, mm-hmm. uh, people process technology, tell us about process. Tell us about some differences that make the difference. Yeah. So I was, a lot of it was just experiences I had in my life and working that, that I, I realized helped me. And I'd say selling with the sales process, whereas you, you take basically five steps. It could be 10, but you work, you don't move on to the next step until you've completed the first one. And that right. might, might be so much as meeting all the people that are on a committee or um, and satisfying that you have something that they each win out of it. So every mm-hmm. process can be different for a solution, but I, I, I feel like you have to follow it. So here's an example. We, when we were with McKesson, we owned a, um, bought a company that sold these robotics and I was head of, of sales process for McKesson for a while there. And the, so we'd analyze the data and we saw that we never won a deal. These are multi-million dollar robots mm-hmm. unless we met the CFO before we gave the price. Mm-hmm. So at the end of a year, you know, we, we told the sales team, hey, there's no more giving out the quote, the price until you've met the CFO. And everyone started complaining, typical. But what we did is use the data and put it on a screen and said, look at these results from the last year. 
And you couldn't argue with that, those results. What, it, you never won one single deal when we did that. And so using that data inf- influenced what we did for a process. And we said, okay, mm. at this stage, when we really uncovered everything and got the quote, we got to meet with the CFO to make sure they understand our philosophy before we go any further. And we made that as a mandatory rule during our process. So you quote the you quote the champion, but then say, let's meet with your CFO next and don't move forward from there, or you right. don't even provide the quote until you could don't even provide it beforehand. And literally if if the CFO can't meet for a month, we would wait for a month before because it's just a waste of you statistically. Yeah, that's the big thing. Is, is so that's the other thing I say about a process is just, you know, people talk a lot about Salesforce and using a CRM for tools. And, and, and I, I find the bulk of people use it as just kind of a babysitting type thing or something. Right. They, they use it for tracking people. And I have a different philosophy. I reverse it. It's really about the data you get out of it. And right. It's about to see. So when people say, do you want this in Salesforce? I ask back, is it something that we're going to use? Right? Right. Because if I'm right. not going to look at that data from a historical perspective, then I really don't want it in there. The, people say like, oh, well, let me record that I I'm, you know, played golf with this guy. I go, I don't really care if you played golf or not. I really would rather know, did you move the deal forward and have you followed the process, right? Right. And so those reports out of their metrics of showing what's working or not working is so much more important than anything else. You know? How do you, Peter, mm-hmm. so... So many, lots of health tech founders probably listening to this, okay. hopefully, right? Uh, but, um, or will, and, and, you know, providers and payer solution provider. And, and so um, there's that awkwardness, you know, you're wa- working with the champion, yeah. and, you know, wh- how do you, there's probably a non-graceful way of doing it. Mm-hmm. One of those would be like, take me to your leader before, <laughs> before yeah. you know, I, I give you the, our number, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and but what's a good way? Because you get those, you know, the objections, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, no, 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 work with me. I'm the right person. Let's follow the process. And then there's these other scenarios, right? That it's like, oh, well, believe me, the CFO is just way too busy uh, here. I mean, how do you how do you make that jump gracefully, organically? What are what are some tips there? Yeah, so you, yeah. I would I would use, there's probably, I'll give you two ideas, but I'm sure there's many more. One, one would be always is, it's, you know, my CEO requires this of us or my VP requires this of us because mm-hmm. of that exact nature that, you know, we're a small company. We only can do so much time selling. We need to know mm-hmm. just in general beforehand if they understand our philosophy and believe in us. If not, that's fine. We'll move on. So that's one. Right. You know, right. Somewhere else. That. And I'm reading right now a negotiating book by a gentleman who did hostage negotiations. And his philosophy is interesting. He says... Um, mm-hmm. what, what you, what you do is you play a little bit, it, the words, he doesn't use these words, but a little, little dumb, little casual, like, you know, Hey, it's just something I got to do. And then you pause and wait for a response. And so uh-huh. his philosophy of that is don't talk too much. You say it as an open-ended question and not as an ask. You say it as opposed, well, what do you think I should do? Because I really need to know if that person's going to be able to pay for this or not, you know, and spot right. and let them solve that problem for you. And I like his philosophy. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Just get it out in the open and don't make assumptions that, you know, yeah, and, and, it's like getting out of your own way. It is. And, you part, know? And part, I'll tell you the biggest objection. A lot of people is go to market is when, when you ask for a meeting or get a meeting, if you don't bring value to those people, you, you probably aren't going to ask back. Right. Right. So that goes back right. to that story about how I trained in all the different business units in McKesson owned at the time. 
if you can come and say, hey, did you know this company is doing this or this industry is doing this or talk about something or even bring an article? If you provide value every single time you meet with someone is huge. And so that's another right. thing I say, because that's going to help take down some walls and some barriers as well. To, uh, providing value like how? Like uh, what, what are some things that, that you always like? Articles or industry knowledge. You know, I think we all yeah. get an inbox full of a zillion articles, right? And we don't always get to read right. them. But if, right. if you talk about a similar health system that's like them, that just solves some particular problem, I mean, they may not know that. And they might say, oh, God, they'll appreciate that. Or, or always bring an article with you is what I bring as well. Right, right. Amen. And, and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, obviously you work with Salesforce and, 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 uh, you know, they, they're blessing to work with. And that mindset is, 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 uh, is, is amazing. They've got that Basho email or Basho concept, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, um, you know, I guess that's what it's like, right. Is, is like making it relative about for them, about for value, providing something very specific. That's a value for them that you know. Exactly. I mean, so right now, what I'm doing is helping a lot of different startups navigate and grow with Salesforce. So help them go to market. And Salesforce, you mentioned is right, is the philosophy they have is this Basho philosophy. And what it really boils down to is when you're trying to earn the right to sell to someone, mm-hmm. you, you, you need about five touches and you need to provide value on each of those. So when you say, I want to come meet with you to talk to you about, I don't know, pharmacy solution, you really want to phrase it as, I want to meet with you because I can bring down your cost for pharmacy of approximately $100, whatever the number is. So Mm -hmm. you use metrics and numbers of saying what you can do to help them to to be better. And that's boiled down to that philosophy. And Salesforce is very good at selling. They are outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's such a tremendous machine, but you know the empathy is built into their their scalability and how they do things. Which you know, obviously, you've been baptized in the way I've been in. And reverse, you know, we kind of help help out, vice versa. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you: for digital startups, from selling robotics to hospitals mm-hmm. to you know, from McKesson to digital healthcare startups, uh-huh. uh, providing health services, would you say that that that's a good hard and fast rule? So, if you had a magic wand, you know. 100 meetings with 100 hospital CFOs is that's going to get your company farther than anything, right? It is. I'll tell you, um, healthcare is hard selling to right. it, right? Because right. the fundament, fundamental reason why is it usually it takes more than one person to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And so you're basically hurting cats and you, you're navigating them and you're helping them collectively come to a decision because mm-hmm. they usually struggle themselves to get all the right people in the room to make a decision. Right. And so whether it's the CFO, it's a physician and it's nurse, whoever, you're helping them achieve that buy-in to make that decision. And, and mm-hmm. I'll tell you, 100 is, is you're right. You're, you need 100 to get successful. Once you become right. successful in healthcare – and you are doing things that change the environment, do things for the better, they're all going to talk and you're going to do well. But it's the first mm-hmm. year or two is what's really hard. Right. Right. Absolutely. Peter, this is, and speaking you know, along the lines of the dimensions of time and you know, starting off in you know, two years, um, you've seen this industry move a lot. And so when it comes to go to market, you know, hiring the right candidates, that, 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 you know, hiring for greatness, great processes that are scalable, uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, the future of go-to-market or going-to-market selling services, products to healthcare. Tell us what, what has you passionate today that can lead into the future. Tell us what, what has you 
passionate when it comes to healthcare and go to market yeah, strategies? I, I think to me, there's even a deeper emphasis nowadays. If you have the right person and you have a good process and you have a great product, I think it's that depth and knowledge of the problem you solve is is huge. I, I saw Salesforce recently hired a, two more nurses to be on their team. I mean, that depth or knowledge of right. the problem you solve, I think is mm-hmm. really helping moving forward in the future because yeah. health systems are willing to partner with you if you bring value. As, as right. far as you know, what I've been spending the last few years about and I'm passionate about is and I really think this is going to help in the future is provider data. And mm-hmm. the way I describe that is a provider, whether they're a physician or nurse, there's a lot of data about them that's required for them to do their job. Whether it be mm-hmm. their, their medical license or DEA license, it's where they practice, you know, what days they see patients. Are they taking new patients? It, it goes on and on. And this data, pieces of it are used to do different workflows. And unfortunately, if you ask anyone, on average, the accuracy of that data is approximately 50 to 55% accurate, which is horrible for our industry because it affects billing, it affects who you're hiring, it affects getting new patients, right? And outgrowing in the market, getting jobs, it affects so many different things. And the challenge is that data sits in so many different places, is so disparate, and today it's a very manual process to compile it. So I think Mm -hmm. the more we can automate that data and get it all in one repository in a cloud to use for any workflow is something that uh, I'm really looking into and spending a lot of time looking at that. Yeah. No, it's, it's super powerful. And yeah, I agree with you. It's like, you know, it's just finally, we're, we're in the year 2019, right? Mm-hmm. All these 2020 visions yeah. from businesses all around are about to get realized, but we still need this, you know, centralization. It doesn't feel like it's, it's gonna, or supposed to come from the traditional EHRs, right? And so the cloud companies and, 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 and putting it in the cloud does seem like, you know, it's funny you say the opportunity. I, I, yeah. I look at Silicon Valley and a lot of the healthcare problems they're trying to solve. And I look mm-hmm. at this one of provider data and I go, this is exactly files in the wheelhouse of Silicon Valley. You know? Right. right. And, and so it's perfect for, for those smart people there to get involved with smart people on the healthcare side and really uh-huh. address this. And it, it, it affects everything. When you send an electronic prescription, you want to make sure that pharmacist is still licensed, right? Um, right. There's so many stories about all this information you need. So I, I think it's a great mirror of having healthcare uh, you know, knowledge mirrored it with technology is something that's mm-hmm. going to really help solve a big problem. So supportive to that, how would you say, so that's kind of like a new concept, right? Like that solves a lot of problems. Um, you know, putting this provider data one spot, mm-hmm. making it cloud, mm-hmm. applying it to current data streams, yeah. uh, you know, obviously applying the data science, being able to extract trends and predictions the CFOs you talk to, you know, are they ready for that? Or are they, or what, cha- what challenges are you seeing or what opportunities are you seeing? Or are you seeing a high receptivity to new solutions, you know, new paradigms to problems that, you know, the CFO may not even know directly they have these problems. They're, they're just, you know, obviously trying to do health revenue project, uh, protection, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, but can you talk yeah, to that so, a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I've talked to a lot of CFOs about this and, it's interesting because CFOs are getting more involved in technology decisions. Um, I've seen mm-hmm. more CIOs report into a CFO. 
And I think the big mantra is to cut costs, right? The CFO is saying, you got to cut that budget I heard from an, a big, huge health system by 30%, which is huge, okay? Right. So what they want to look for are solutions that really have an ROI. It's not, no offense, I've sold software for so many years. It's software's hard for an ROI. Mm-hmm. But with provider data, uh, one system says internally, they every time they check a provider on their general background for a payer or anything is $250. Right. And so that's a cost that they have internally that no one debates that. So right. they're saying basically, if you can help provide that workflow for less than that number, then that's positive for them. Because, right, it's like easy mm-hmm. black and white, they're saving money. The other thing a lot of these health systems have an enormous amount of staff to work on this manually. So that's the other thing they look at. If you have a solution that can help reduce my 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 dependence on, on this staff, then that'll also help me as well kind of thing. Nice, nice. No, that helps. And that perspective when selling in, right? It's all, you know, it's funny, you know, you're selling, anyone that sells sophisticated services, digital or anything, you know, sometimes it's almost, you lose that common sense just like on the hum- human level, right? Oh, it's yeah. just like... I- you know, person to person, it's like, what's in it for someone? What's the ROI? Am I going to save money? Or are you going to help me make money? And, you know, you can have the best widget or piece of software in the world, right? But if it doesn't, it's not going to support their goals. I mean, that's everything. Oh, yeah. And so I, I think selling with an ROI, so having it part of your sales process that you present an ROI, is uh-huh. a lot of people struggle to make it on their own, which is fine, you know, wh- whether it be you make your own tool or whatever it might be. Right. I'll tell you, I have um, three companies that I generally use that make ROIs, and they're priced like a, a low, medium, and high type solutions. Mm-hmm. And I recommend these pe- three people all the time. And not everyone steps in and, and does it. Either either the startups don't feel that's worth the money, or they feel like they can build it themselves and it doesn't work. I'll tell you, selling with an ROI tool is huge to help in this. I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's powerful. Yeah. You know, ROI calculators. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway, it's, it's, it's a really interesting time. It's really exciting. Um, and, and Peter, you know, obviously as you go throughout the year and you work with, you know, a lot of the digital, you know, uh, healthcare startups and companies, you know, Salesforce, et cetera, love to have you come back and, you know, share your insights as this is a fast moving market as you and I've talked about in the past, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a super fast, you know, 36 months in this market. I, I think people don't even realize how, fast healthcare is changing. So it's, it's very fascinating to see the rate of change in this industry and in how you specifically are really bringing, you know, and helping a lot of companies out there go to market more efficiently to play services that can make a difference in people's lives, whether they're seven years old or 77 years old. And so, um, Peter, this was great to have you on the show. And um, for our listeners out there, so if you if our listeners want to engage with you, Peter, what would be a good way to interact with you, engage with you, um, if you if you have an email or, or blog or maybe through LinkedIn? Yeah, I think LinkedIn's probably the easiest for Peter Longo. Okay. And it, it you know, a lot of my articles I've written are on there and reach out that way is probably the best. You know, I'm excited that I recently got asked to teach a class at a local at a university here in California about the history mm-hmm. of healthcare tech. And mm-hmm. so maybe that's something we talk about next time as well, because I feel like, oh, yeah. you know, if you don't know all the acquisitions or the challenges healthcare went through 30 years ago, it's hard then to understand why there's a pushback from a hospital or provider today. And 
history right. helps with that. So, right. Um, I love that. Yeah, that would be great and exciting. And then, you know, obviously, once you do that, if you have a link, you know, we love to update the show notes and, you know, get that out. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. I'm a little nervous about I, doing it. It's going to be my first time being a professor, but heck, yeah, right? <laughs> I think it's going to be fun and refreshing. I think we might have talked about it in the past, but yeah, it's almost like the, you know, business schools. Um, it, it was you or someone else. It was there's the MBAs and like business schools need an MBS, you know, masters <laughs> exactly. of sales. You know, yeah. the one critical thing that people need to come out of business school with. You know, you know, if we're going to drive innovation, we need we need less administrators in the world. We need people with the bravery to position really good products and services to help those in need. Right? Absolutely, and, so and that's why Anthony, that's, that's my. I love yeah, that's so. why you're doing this. Let's keep the dialogue going. Let's let's yeah. help this. I meet a lot of great startups that are really smart people, and they're challenged with go to market. And so let's talk about it and help them because you're right. Absolutely. Ultimately, it's going to help that kid in that hospital, right? And that's what we want. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. No, Peter, this is great. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get this out on social media. And uh, it was most importantly, Peter, great to have you on the show as always. Great to great to jam out with you. And to our listeners out there, again, Pop Health Show. The show is for people that have a passion for making other people healthier in this world. Peter, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you, Anthony. Take care, man. Bye. Okay. Thanks.